you so much for joining us this week at Zion City Church with teachings from Pastor Andrew Rael. We believe that God still speaks through His Word and His people. So right now, lean in and listen to the Holy Spirit. We hope that this message encourages you, inspires you, and brings you into a deeper love and worship of Jesus. Thanks for listening, and thanks for being a part of Zion City Church. you guys but for me there's always a struggle that anytime we try to take a step into faith it feels like there's always we're always met with uh, opposition pushing back why is it that every time you try to make a move towards God there seems to be this counter move that tries to keep you away maybe you try to wake up early to read your Bible and as you come and as you try to read the scriptures you find yourself just not able to hear God's voice the passages seem obscure it doesn't really make sense you're kind of confused that at times you try to set aside a time to pray you find yourself in that moment distracted as you come to pray you start thinking about the dishes and the dog and the homework and you know what's happening at work and what's happening in the world and what started off as a prayer ends up become you just trapped in your thoughts when you try to reach out to somebody and you begin to draft the text message or contemplate making a phone call, it is then all of a sudden you start to get nervous. At, will I sound weird or will it be, will I come off different or how should I phrase this or that's crazy, you know, and so you keep trying to rethink things and it stops you in your track in trying to reach out to somebody. That there's the, those of you who have had the, the encouragement in your heart to want to move towards serving and towards volunteering in a church capacity, but immediately when the thought enters your mind to, to serve and to be a part of something, immediately in your mind enters all the reasons why you shouldn't. Your schedule, the things that you have done, the places that you have been, and the enemy then reminds you of all the reasons you shouldn't move forward. If we're honest, church, sometimes following Jesus feels like we're swimming against the current. And every time it feels like we make a little bit of headway moving forward, we're always met with waves pushing back. With every stroke forward, we're met with the pushback and the waves of life. If you can resonate with that feeling of trying to make moves towards God and feeling like life moves back at you, right now in the comments, will you just write the struggle is real. If that resonates with you right now, will you just comment in the comments right now, the struggle is real. Because brothers and sisters, same. The struggle is real. But what if I told you, what if I told you that that struggle is actually a setup? What if I told you that the struggle is a sign you're right where you're supposed to be? What if I told you that the struggle was actually a gift? What if I told you that the struggle is actually good news? And what if I told you that the struggle is just as much a part of the story as the breakthrough on the other side? Brothers and sisters, if anybody knew struggle, it was the church in Thessalonica. Now, if there were to be a book about how a church plant is to fail, 
The Thessalonians would be great authors for that, right? The, the pastor who starts the church is kicked out of town. The person who's hosting the church and giving financial backing is on the verge of imprisonment just at any given moment. And the city had riots started because of the start of the church, right? If there's anything working against a church, the Thessalonians are like, we know what that is. That as God began to move in their city, things began to move against them. They fully understood the struggle of moving towards God and feeling like the world pushes back against you. Yet, in the middle of all that struggle, the church in Thessalonica was flourishing. Where there is a struggle for God's people, listen to this, it's an opportunity for God to show his power. I love this quote by Mark Sayers. He says this, God always has his people where he wants his people with nothing to turn to but him. It is in this place of weakness that his power thunders forth. So right now in the comments, I want you to encourage one another by saying this, the struggle is a setup. The struggle is a setup. Now, that begs the question, well, why is there a struggle? Why is it challenging? Why is it difficult? Listen, anytime there is a move of God, there's always a response of opposition. Hear me again. Anytime there's a move of God, there is always a move of opposition. Because all around us right now, a cosmic war is taking place. What feels like to you as business as usual at the cosmic level is absolutely not. You see, for the biblical authors and the framework and the mind of Jesus and the authors of the New Testament and even the Old Testament, they had an understanding that what was seen with the eye was not all that there was. That beyond what the eye can see is a cosmic realm where spiritual beings are waging war. What comes into my mind immediately is there's a story in, in Daniel where Daniel is praying for God to move in Babylon. And God commissions an angel to come and visit Daniel and to speak with him about what's taking place in Babylon. But the angel arrives late after Daniel's prayer. And the angel apologizes when he shows up, sorry, he says, I was wrestling with the prince of Persia. That's what kept me from coming to come and meet with you. Now, these are just little insights into the spiritual realm that is just as real as the realm that you and I see. But for us, what business as usual feels like, struggling to pray, having some difficulties, having some pushback, is actually a part of a larger war that is taking place. You see, the Satan and his followers are doing everything they can to thwart the plans of God. Now, briefly, I know some of you hear me say the Satan and say, I think he's saying that wrong, right? They're like, I don't have a ton of biblical theology, but I don't think his name is the Satan. Actually, it is. So the Satan is actually not a name. It's a title. It means the accuser. And so when I refer to the Satan, I'm referring to his title. Throughout the scriptures, we actually don't have a name for this enemy of God, but he's only given titles like the accuser and like Lucifer. And so um, that was just a brief caveat. So if you, as, as we continue this sermon, you're not trying to auto-correct me or correct me in the comments for, for pronouncing that wrong. 
You see, but God is in the process right here, right now of pushing back the kingdom of darkness through his people. A war is taking place through systems, structures, and people. There are absolutely spiritual beings behind systems and structures trying to influence things for evil. That any breakout of an evil act occurred, there is absolutely evil spiritual beings trying to bring their purposes to fruition as well. And so right here, right now, you and I are in the midst of a war we don't know that we're in. And we can't win a war we don't know that we're in. So first and foremost, you need to understand this, that there's a war taking place over your heart, that there are powers and authorities, that their purpose and intent is simple, to kill, steal, and destroy, as Jesus says in John 10. That's the thief's, the, the Satan's whole life mission is your ruin and is your demise. So absolutely, any time you try to take a step deeper into a relationship with Jesus, into walking in faithfulness, into obedience, you're always going to be met with opposition because the enemy wants none of that for you. He wants you discouraged. He wants you beaten down. And ultimately, brothers and sisters, he wants you dead. You have an enemy and you are in a war. And so as we wage war together, it's important that we understand that there is always going to be a struggle for followers of Jesus. But this is not where all our, our hope is put in, is that there's always just going to be a war, but rather there is somebody who fights alongside with us and that God is working in the war you see where we see um the enemy try to thwart god's plan the most is at the cross you see uh, what god is in the business of doing is taking the schemes and plans of the enemy and flipping them on its head and actually using it to build something instead so where satan is trying to tear stuff down there the lord is actually using that to build things up and we see this clearest in the picture of the cross you see what the satan wanted to do was to manipulate things was to turn the heart of judas was to have the jewish leaders turn their backs on jesus and have him be crucified but it was actually in the crucifixion of Jesus that God's greatest victory was accomplished. You see, as the enemy was trying to scheme and plan and destroy the Son of Man, he did not realize he was playing into God's hand. That God was orchestrating that moment where, where the enemy had sunk its fangs into Jesus, the Messiah, that it was actually from that that life would burst forth. And that God's plan of redemption would be issued and that no matter how much he tried the cross was the plan of god and that from where the enemy thought he had jesus against the ropes jesus rose again three days later defeating death defeating its workers and defeating the enemy right satan's scheme was to tear down the kingdom that God was building and sending his son. How did that work out for him? 
I love Paul's reflection on this in Colossians chapter 2. He says this, When you were dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. Listen, brothers and sisters. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle. He humiliated them, triumphing, triumphing over them by the cross. You see, right now, we're in the middle of a pandemic. And the enemy is wanting to leverage this to kill, steal, and destroy. He's wanting to discourage you in a moment where you feel alone and isolated to make you feel like you have no community. He's wanting to take this and instill fear into your heart that you're going to lose all the people that you love the most. He wants to put fear in your heart that God is not um, sovereign over this or Lord over this or doing anything in this and that we're all at the hands of COVID-19. But brothers and sisters, I want you to know something. God is doing something incredible in this moment. You see, statistics are saying right now that now more than ever, the Google searches for prayer and for faith are through the roof. That right now, people are looking for hope in this moment, what feels like hopelessness. The secular worldview is crumbling underneath the pressure of this crisis. You see, what the secular worldview tells you is that if you go and pursue pleasure, that that is where you find your purpose. That what, what, what brings you purpose and happiness is just going and finding pleasure. But what happens when the bars are closed and casual dating has ceased and entertainment has come to a screeching halt is that people are left with an idea. There has to be something more to life than this. That if at a government's notice, all of what I was putting my hope and trust in is shut down, there has to be more to life than this. And so what seems like one of the worst situations possible, God is flipping. And he's saying, I'm going to use it. Now, he's not the cause. We believe that, that this sickness is straight from the, the enemy's heart, that his desire is to see the people who God loves perish. But we see God saying, I'm going to use this. The enemy thinks he has his hand on this. I'm going to flip it and use it for the purposes of my kingdom. You see, the struggle comes, brothers and sisters, because fundamentally we're in a war and we're in a fight for our city. And when you take steps into trusting God deeper, of course opposition comes. Of course there's a fight against you. But listen, keep moving forward. As you move deeper into faith, as you move deeper into following Jesus, and you feel opposition, that should be the sign you're going in the right direction. Keep moving forward. Keep going to read the scriptures. Keep leaning in to pray that it's not about one time succeeding and climbing the mountaintop, but it's about a life of faithfully following Jesus. And as you stack day upon day, moment upon moment, faithfulness upon faithfulness, obedience upon obedience, you see a life that is lived wholly unto the Lord. And so for us, keep moving forward. Do not get discouraged. He is working in the struggle. That when you feel those moments where it just doesn't seem like it's working, it just doesn't seem like it's happening, listen, breakthrough is on the other side. Keep moving forward.
He's working in the struggle. Right now, if you feel God speaking that to your heart, that you feel that you're in a season of struggle and you want to believe in faith that God is working in the struggle, I want you to comment, He is working in the struggle. So how do we position ourselves to seize the struggle and leverage it for the kingdom of God? Verse 13, Paul says this, And we also thank God continually because you received the word of God, which you heard from us, and you accepted it, not as human word, but as it actually is, the word of God. So Paul is reflecting back on his time in Thessalonica with the Thessalonians. And he reminds them that they believed in faith the message in which him and Silas came and proclaimed. You see, right now, God is actively trying to break in and speak into the moment that we are in. The question that presents itself is, are we listening? So Paul and Silas came into Thessalonica and they began to share this message about this man, Jesus, who was actually God and he was crucified and he rose three days later and he's establishing his rule and his reign here on earth through his people and that anybody who would believe in him and follow after him would have life and life to the full. Now, these people had no paradigm for this. These people had no structure for this way of thought. This was brand new to them, and they saw it for what it actually was, the Word of God. You see, there were all sorts of hindrances for why not to believe. These guys could be crazy. They could be lying. There could be all sorts of things or reasons not to believe, but they were listening You see, what I feel like happens most of the time is it's not a matter of whether God is speaking or not. It's a matter of where we're actually listening or not. You see, you right now have probably had several moments where God has tried to break into your life and speak, but you didn't hear because you didn't want to hear. Because you weren't actually waiting for God's voice. You were just waiting for someone to think like you think or to respond like how you would want them to respond. But God is right now breaking into our midst, brothers and sisters, and we need to lean in and listen like the Thessalonians. Listen to what God is saying to his church right now. I've had all sorts of questions about what's our response to COVID-19 and how we're going to navigate these things and what the future looks like and what's this going to change for the church in six months. And, you know, there's all these conversations about happening that. But what I'm not hearing right now is somebody ask me, what do you think God is speaking to us in this moment? Everyone's worried about planning and future projects and things like that, but nobody's actually pausing to say, what is God saying right now? So my charge and my challenge to you, Zion City Church, is this. Lean in and listen to what God has to say to us. Right now, lean in and listen to what God is trying to speak to us now. What is God trying to speak to you through COVID-19? You see, this week I had put up a question uh, thing on Instagram asking people, what are people learning through this crisis? And more than any other question I've ever put out, I got the most responses. You see, this time is a hard time and it's a challenging time, but it's also a fruitful time because God is speaking right here in the midst and he's revealing things to his people about their lives. That right now we've been, caught, we've been brought to a screeching halt to analyze and to rethink our lives and what we're living for. Not just what we're doing, but why we're doing what we're doing. 
And I believe that it's a, it's a result of God wanting to break in into our moment. Now, as many of you also have, I've learned so much in this season about where I've put my trust and where my comfort ultimately lies. And God has graciously brought me back to reminding me He is all I need. That the desire, that the satisfaction that I crave in my life is found only in Jesus. So brothers and sisters, listen, listen well. Remember that God often speaks through the people nearest to you as well. That God often breaks in in a moment, not from proclaiming from heaven, Andrew, right? But he often speaks through his people and he speaks through his word. The next thing, Paul reminds them of this at the very end of that verse. He says, which is indeed at work in you who believe. So how do we position ourselves to seize this moment of struggle? It's rooting ourselves in God's word and allowing God's word to be rooted in us. Right now, more than ever, we need to be leaning into the scriptures. We don't, what we need right now is not better politicians, better tactful plans, any of those things. What we need right now is God's wisdom. And God's wisdom is only found in his word. And so I want to challenge us Now that we have more time than ever, let's lean into that time by leaning into God's word. As God's word is planted in your heart, it brings fruit of his wisdom in your life. And that's what we need now is God's people walking in God's wisdom to accomplish his purposes. And notice it says that God's God's word is at work for those who believe. Meaning what? Meaning that when we allow God's word to not just be something that we hear, but something we actually apply at the core of who we are and let it change us, it works in us. That God's word has the power to be planted and to bring fruit forth into our hearts. We can never change ourselves, but God, God's word becomes implanted and it begins to change the way we think. It begins to change the way we feel. It begins to shift our heart posture to be more like Jesus. And that's what the word of God accomplishes. So brothers and sisters, now more than ever, let's lean in. And let's let God's word do its work. The next thing he says is this. Verse 14, For you, brothers and sisters, became imitators of God, of God's church in Judea, which are in Christ Jesus. You, also, you suffered from your own people the same things those churches suffered from the Jews, who killed the Lord Jesus and the prophets and drove us out. They displease God and are hostile to everyone. And their effort to keep us from speaking to the Gentiles so that they may be saved. In the same way, they always heap up their sins, they all they always heap up their sins to the limit. The wrath of God has come upon them at last. So Paul is speaking specifically here towards there were people in Thessalonica, Jews who were trying to stop God's word from reaching the Gentiles. They did not want the Gentiles to come into a saving relationship with the God of the universe. They were trying to thwart that. Because anytime there's a work of God, there are, there are the workers of the enemy who are trying to stop that work, who are trying to cease that work, who are trying to bring those plans to fail. And so Paul reminds them, look, you're in great company. Know this, that ever, if you find yourself struggling against these powers at work against you in your life, 
you are in good company. Paul says first to the Thessalonians that they are like the churches in Judea. So like the churches that were initially planted at the start of this Jesus movement, he says, you're following in their footsteps. And guess what? Guess whose footsteps you're also following in? Jesus. Was Jesus, the, the, was his biggest fans the religious leaders of any city that he got in? No. Oftentimes, they were trying to kill Jesus. They were trying to arrest him. They were trying to do all sorts of things to stop the work that Jesus was doing. And so when we find ourselves faced against opposition, we are walking in the same footpath as Jesus. That when we find ourselves moving towards God and moving towards faith and moving towards trying to live faithfully to the scriptures and we find ourselves ourselves opposed we are living like Jesus and so don't ever feel that for a moment it only happens to me or I'm so alone you are in the very same spot you're in the very same company as the one whom we follow and the first churches planted and so when we face hardships and trials we are in good company Paul goes on to say this verse 17 but brothers and sisters when we were orphaned by being separated from you for a short time, in person, not in thought, out of our intense longing, we made every effort to see you. For we wanted to come to you. Certainly I, Paul, did again and again, but Satan blocked our way. For what is our hope, our joy, or the crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes? Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and our joy. So the first thing Paul says is, I wanted nothing more than to go and be with you. So what was happening in Thessalonica is that, you know, local people were saying, why hasn't Paul came back? I mean, he says he loves you guys and he says he cares about this church, but things got hard and then he left and has never come back. And Paul says, I wanted to go back a bunch of times, but there are all sorts of reasons why I couldn't. Now, he doesn't detail it here in the letter, but he says Satan has kept us from doing that, that he saw that the work of the enemy was trying to keep him from being in Thessalonica. But he says this, he says, but we were not with you in person, but we're with you in heart. We're with you in spirit. And then notice the letter that we're reading is evidence of Paul's desire to be with them. He says, I can't be with you in person, but I'm gonna leverage the technology I have through writing letters to be with you. I can't think of a more relevant text than right here, right now, the moment we find ourselves in. Guys, I want nothing more than to gather with you guys. I got like the crazy itch going on because I want to be with you. I want to spend time with you. I want to hear about what God's doing in your life. I want to be praying for you. I want to see your faces. My heart longs for the, time, the day that we gather again. I've seen all these preachers put up these memes about people losing their mind as they're walking into an auditorium and being like, this will be me on Sunday morning. And that will absolutely be the case. I will be ear to ear when I get to see you all. But right now we can't for all sorts of reasons. And I want to say, I know I can't be with you in person, but know, know that I'm with you in heart. That all throughout these last several weeks, I've been doing nothing but praying and thinking about you and touching base with as many of you as I possibly can because my heart is with you. I know I can't be with you in person, but I, I am with you most certainly in heart. And right now as a church, we need each other now more than ever. We need community now more than ever. Now I know we can't see each other face to face, but we like Paul are gonna leverage technology to be as much there as we possibly can. And thank God we're no longer writing letters. 
that through technology we can see each other's face, we can hear each other's voice. And I want to challenge us as a church, this week, meet with somebody in the body of Christ. Digitally meet with somebody, check in, see how they're doing, share how you're doing. Let's not be distant from one another in this time, but let's lean into community through technology as much as we possibly can. Now, they wanted to be together. Paul wanted to be with him. I want to be with you. We want to be together and celebrating Jesus together. But until then, we're going to uh, we're, we're going to believe that God is making a way for us to be together through technology. And so I want us to believe this, that we are going to make a way where there is no way. And that while we wait, we trust He is working. That I know that this, the circumstances aren't ideal, but we're going to believe in faith that while we wait, God is in the process of working it out. He's in the process of uniting his people. He's doing something that we can't see. So right now in the comments, I want you to type in, while we wait, he is working. And see that each of us is looking to God to do something in the moment we find ourselves in. The next thing that Paul tells them is that he's like, what is our joy? What is our glory? Is it not you? He says, you indeed are our glory and our joy and what he means by that is this community that he's planted is something that brings him such joy because for them for him they're not a project they're not a task they're his family and he sees them as such and he says i know i can't be with you but know that you are my joy and that you are my glory you see uh for paul this joy that he had was was the joy of knowing that he had them that though they could not be together, Paul's joy was, I know that I have them and they have me and together we are a family. And that's my encouragement for us today. I know that we are apart, but we are together more than ever in the family of Jesus. And so I want us to unite. I want us to rally together. I believe right now is the moment where God is calling the church to be the church. And that we are, we are realizing in real time, as we've been saying for a long time, the church is not a building. It's a people. It's a family that we belong to. And so we can have joy and we can have connectedness even in a moment like this because together we're united in Jesus. And we're going to leverage technology to be with each other. The last thing I want to do is I want to, I want to read a, a passage to you guys out of uh, 2 Corinthians as we close. I feel like this is timely for the message that we have today and for the timely for the moment that we have. And I'm going to read it and I'm going to pray over us. And then I'm going to encourage you guys to lean into community wherever you are. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18. Paul says this, Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. I know you may not feel it. I know right now is hard. 
I know there's all sorts of complexities and challenges as we navigate through this time. And right now, what most of us are being told to do is hurry up and wait. Wait till new developments come. Wait till something shifts. But can I tell you something? He's working while we wait. That you may not see it. That you don't have the knowledge to see all the ways in which God is working, but I'm telling you, He's working. The scriptures tell us that all things work for good for those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. Not that all things are good, because COVID-19 is not good. The separation is not good. The financial struggle is not good. But listen, for those who love God and are called according to His purpose, He's working it for His good. He's flipping it on its head. And I want to I challenge you, as Paul did. We don't look at the things that we can just see, because the things that we can see are temporary. But we look for the things with eyes of faith that are unseen because those things are eternal. And right now, we need people in our church with eyes of faith to be calling out the things that God is doing in our midst. Let me pray for you. Church, if there's anybody who just who needs God's spirit to rest on them here and now. If there's anybody who needs, uh, who feels that they're in the struggle, they feel like they're trying to move towards God, they feel like they just keep getting thwarted, I want you to raise your hand where you are right now. I can't see you, but God sees you. And God sees your hand, and he knows your heart, and he's gonna bless you. And I wanna pray for you right now, a, a prayer of God's blessing over your life. Lord, you see the hands of your people you hear their cry out to you, Lord, would you let your spirit rest upon them? Would you empower them from on high and give them the same spirit that rose you from the grave to be alive inside of them? God, would you give them eyes of faith to see their circumstance and their situation, Lord, not as, as it presents itself to be, Lord, but as you see it. I pray, Lord, that you would um, just shower them with your love and your favor, Lord. Press them towards community now more than ever, Lord. And I pray for protection, and I pray for healing, and I pray, Lord, for just favor on every hand that is raised right now, Lord. And I pray right now that your spirit would confirm that you're working, that you're working while we wait, Lord, that you're working while we can't see what is happening behind the scenes, Lord. And we trust you because you're a good dad and you've never let us down. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thank you so much, church, for joining us on today's live stream. We love you. And again, if there's any need that you have, we want to help you meet that need. We believe that the family of Jesus is not just a people who, who believe the same things, but who are people who embody empathy, people who uh, walk with each other, weep with those who weep, mourn with those who mourn, and come alongside each other. So please, if you have any needs at all, all reach out to us via social media or email us at info at zioncitychurch.net we love you so much church you guys have a wonderful week we're praying with you may god's hand be upon you take care to see all the new content coming from zion city follow us on instagram or like us on facebook and to partner with us financially visit our website at zioncitychurch.net